As we announced on the uh, Facebook and on the computer, Brother Noah also announced it. We announced it last night that tonight I wanted to study with you on the communion service. I want us to take a good look at what the Bible says regarding the communion. Uh, we will be pointing out several passages and we will discuss that right off the bat after the prayer and another song. And then we will have other material that we will cover throughout the lesson. We invite you to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. I would like to read two verses, please. Verse 24 and verse 25. These are two of the passages that have the infamous statement, this do in remembrance of me. This is what is written on the front of this communion table. This do in remembrance of me. The word of God said in verse 24, and when he had given thanks, he break it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, which he has supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. In these two passages, it illustrates a very important truth that when we're partaking of the bread or the cup containing fruit of the vine, we are to do so in remembrance of Jesus. And we look forward tonight to studying with you a number of different passages and situations. And we will be more than happy if anyone has any questions regarding the lesson, you feel free to ask me you know, after we're dismissed. And we'll be glad to visit with you and talk about that too. Uh, this time we will have a prayer followed by another song and then we will study the topic of the hour. On the front of this communion table, you will see the phrase that is the title of today's lesson, this do in remembrance of me. However, Jesus instituted his supper. He said, I want you to do this. Do what I have done. This do in remembrance of me. Jesus could have simply said, in remembrance of me. That would have been real easy. But instead, he said, this do. Do this. Do what I have done. I am showing you how to observe the communion service. Today in our lesson, we're going to be reviewing the seven passages in the New Testament that are addressing this topic. I would like to read these into the record, and then we will proceed further. Number one, Matthew, the 26th chapter, verse 26 through 30. Mark 14, 22 through 26. Luke 22, verse 17 through 20. Number four, Acts 2 and verse 42. This is one that's not normally included when a person has a list of verses. Acts 20 and verse 7. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16 and 17, and 1 Corinthians 11, 20 through 34. Now, it is my intention in this lesson today to refer to these seven passages. I may go back and forth 
letting the Bible interpret the Bible so we can understand. You know, some passages will give a command. Another passage will give where the command is obeyed. So when you put it all together, it becomes really a very easy process to learn what Jesus meant by this do or do this in remembrance of me. I do not know of anyone in the church of Christ, regardless of, of how they worship, ever question the fact that communion service is in remembrance of Jesus. Everybody agrees to that to my knowledge. But the this do might raise another question. Do we really have to do what Jesus did? Well, yes, because he said this do in remembrance of me. Many passages in the Bible are emphasized that we need to do what Jesus taught us to do. There, I can start down the line, but there's, I don't want to get off the subject today. Just know there's many passages that teach us to do what Jesus taught. Now, I want to go to another area of the lesson, and then we will go back to the list of verses. I want to do this because through the lesson, I may call the communion service. I may say, well, this we're breaking bread, or we're having communion, or the Lord's Supper. In Acts 20 and verse 7, we find the phrase, break bread. Now, this is not the only time that break bread is mentioned. But in Acts 27, the Bible said upon the first day of the week, the disciples came together to break bread. Now, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Number one, it's the first day of the week. All Christians should observe communion on the first day of the week. And I've had people say, well, but it didn't say every first day of the week. I go, well, you got a point there. It doesn't say every first day of the week. But let me ask you, do you have to, under the old law, did they have to keep the Sabbath day holy? That was one of the Ten Commandments, you know. And I have never had one person tell me, well, just, you know, occasionally. No, no, everybody realizes. He said, thou shall keep the Sabbath day holy in the Ten Commandments. But did you know this? There's not a single passage in the Old Testament that says keep every Sabbath day holy. But people understood. When he said remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, he referred every week have the Sabbath day and you should keep it holy. The same with the communion. Upon the first day of the week, and that is every week, disciples come together. We assemble together to break bread. So therefore, if through the lesson tonight, I say we are gathered here to break bread and making reference to what we do on the Lord's day, on Sunday, the first day of the week, that is a fine expression. And any time you refer to this supper as breaking bread, that is biblical in every way. Breaking bread is fine. Number two is the word communion. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16 and verse 17, we find here the Apostle Paul writes a very important message. And he's illustrating to the congregation at Corinth how they need to commune. He said, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? 
The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, and we're all partakers of that one bread. Now, my friends, listen today. I do not know of anyone who cannot understand they're all partakers of that one bread. The Greek word for this word bread is the Greek word artos, A-R-T-O-S, artos, meaning a loaf. And he simply says one bread. So therefore, during the service today, uh, there's not going to be a need for me to go into an in-depth about the loaf because of the fact the Lord made it real clear and he said, we're all partakers of the one loaf. Nobody denies that. Whatever your translation that you are choosing to use, it will say one bread or it may even say one loaf. But it is the communion service. Communion of the body and communion of the blood of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, verse 20, this is the very important message. And I remember as a young, inexperienced boy, before I began to preach full time, probably back about 1970 or something of that nature, my dad was going off in a gospel meeting. So I walked up four houses where my grandfather, Brother E.H. Miller, lived, and he was home. And I was reading my Bible, and I read this passage, verse 20. When you come together, therefore, in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Well, I just scratched my head and tried to figure out, well, what does that mean? This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. So I asked my grandfather, and I said, can you please explain what this passage in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20 means? He said, well, what do you think it means? Well, he did just like my dad. He wanted me to give it a shot, and then they would help fine-tune me, you know, on my understanding. And then finally, granddad explained to me that the Corinthian church were communing incorrectly. And then they were communing incorrectly. It was more like a common meal, the way they were observing the Lord's Supper. And Paul the apostle did not leave one stone unturned. He said, let me tell you right now, folks, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. He wasn't saying you don't need to observe the Lord's Supper. But he's saying the way you're doing it, you're not, com you're not communing, you're not breaking bread, you're not taking part of the Lord's Supper in the way that Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. The way the Corinthians were communing was not the way the Lord instituted the communion. Plain and simple. Therefore, the Apostle Paul went on throughout the next several passages and he began to illustrate the true communion service. Several passages from different writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, all these passages, even from Paul, they represent very strong teaching about this topic. So tonight, if I refer to the communion service as breaking bread or communion or the Lord's Supper, it's all referring to the same thing. 
And it's fine for you when you are one of our brethren and, and you are residing at the communion table and you say we're gathered here to break bread. That's fine. If you were to say we're here to observe the communion, that's fine. If you're here to say we're here today to observe the Lord's Supper, that is perfectly fine. Any of these three are right because we have book, chapter, verse in the Bible where it is taught. And that's what's important. We're doing what Jesus said to do. And so therefore, I wanted to mention that because if we march along through the lesson, I'm not going to stop and have to re-explain any of these three points. You've got them written down. If you've taken notes and breaking bread, communion, and the Lord's Supper. Those are the three that have been mentioned by scripture as we've just read. Now what I want to do, I want to simply to go to the Bible and I want us to read these passages. And then I want to explain these passages. And I'm going to even confine it closer than that. We are not going to focus in, although it's a great study, on the one love. We've already read the passage that says one bread, and, and everybody understands that we should have one bread. Not little crackers, but one bread. One loaf. And it's to be distributed among the congregation as every Lord's Day observing the communion service. But go with me, please, to the book of Matthew. Let's read this. We're going to focus in on the cup that contains the fruit of the vine. You know, I know that today in the religious world, there are many, many differences about the communion. You know, there are some religious groups that only commune maybe once a month, once a quarter, biannually, every six months. There's just so many different ways. There are some religious groups that have water instead of fruit of the vine. They just have all kinds of things. You know what Paul would say? This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. You do it wrong, you're not doing it at all. Now understand that. If we commune incorrectly, we're not communing at all. It is not to eat the Lord's Supper. So we want to focus in regarding the communion, especially in the remainder of this lesson, we're going to talk about the cup that contains fruit of the vine. So therefore, we're going to focus in if you will, Matthew 26, we're going to look at verse 27 and 28. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. May I ask you please to observe the fact of all the singular terms. Just look at that verse one more time. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them. And they say, he said, drink ye all of it. It was all singular in nature. Drink ye all of it. So therefore, when the communion is to be observed, the way Jesus did it, he took a loaf and he took a cup that contained fruit of the vine and he instituted the Lord's Supper. He didn't give everybody their own. He simply had one loaf and one cup, and he illustrated, you do this in remembrance of me. Look at the command in verse 27. Very important. If you have a red letter edition, this will all be red letter, okay? 
drink ye all of it. That's what Jesus said. He pointed out, he took the cup and gave thanks, gave it to them, and he said, drink ye all of it. Now I want to point out something to you. And I'm going to use this just a little bit throughout the lesson today. This is the communion cup. Now I'm not going to pour grape juice in this communion cup, but I'm just going to put it in there. All right, here we go. One cup containing fruit of the vine. Obviously during service if we have it poured in, but we're not doing that tonight on this service of the meeting. But when the Lord took a cup, guess what? He didn't take an empty one. He did not take an empty cup. And guess what? He didn't take fruit of the vine by itself. He didn't do it. No, he said, I want you to drink ye all of it. Of what? Of the cup that contains the fruit of the vine. That's how Jesus did it. Now you can read, you could ask your first grader to read this and explain what happened and they could do it. We've tried that many, many times and it's amazing how first, second, and third graders, they can read it and you ask them, well, what do they do? They can normally tell you. But let me tell you what, every time in the communion service from Matthew through 1 Corinthians, when it says fruit of the vine, it's fruit of the vine in the cup. Whenever it says cup, it is a cup containing fruit of the vine. It is a unit. They go together. It's one cup containing fruit of the vine. You will always, in every verse, verse we read, you will always see singular in number. So therefore, what Jesus did, we choose to do. Because we want to follow Jesus. We want to do what Jesus did. He said, this do and remember some me. So you know what I want to do? I want to do just what Jesus did in remembrance of him. So please understand, you know, this cut by itself means absolutely nothing. The grape juice down here at one of your grocery stores, I saw a Piggly Wiggly the other day. A Piggly Wiggly, all right? You got this grape juice at Piggly Wiggly? You know what? It means absolutely nothing. It's just grape juice. However, when you come together with the disciples to break bread, this grape juice is poured into this cup, and then you have a great situation before you. You have a cup containing fruit of the vine. There's nothing about this that's an idol. You know, there different cups can be different sizes, different shapes, with handles, without handles, on and on and on. It is simply, you know the word cup, by the way, here in Matthew 26, 27, as well as Mark, Luke, and 1 Corinthians, it comes from the Greek word poterion. Poterion. Let me write that on the board, and then we will um, illustrate something here. If I've got more room... Okay, the word cup, when you look it up in the Greek, it shows it to be literal, and it means a drinking vessel. Many people today, when studying the communion service, they would say, well, the cup is really the blood. Well, that's not what Jesus said. Now, what it is, though, is when you have a cup containing fruit of the vine, you can talk about one or the other or both. The cup of blessing, you're talking about both. 
It's a cup containing blessing. When you talk about the cup and you talk about the fruit of the vine and you merge them together, you have the cup of blessing, which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? So please understand, there's nothing, you know, heroic about a particular cup. You can use a variety of drinking vessels. I've been asked a number of times uh, during debates as well as home studies and everything. Well, if we've got to use the one cup like Jesus did, we would need to use the same cup he did. I said, okay. We, do we have to eat the same bread Jesus ate? Everybody said, no, that'd be impossible. I said, we don't have to do that. He's just illustrating the communion service. And Jesus meant a lot when he said that. And my dear friends, please everybody understand it is one cup containing fruit of the vine that make up the cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? And the only reason that this congregation worship this way in the communion is because they want to obey Jesus. This do in remembrance of me. Now I'm going to put this back here and I may pick it up again momentarily. Okay, now we read... In Matthew 26, 27, the command, drink ye all of it. You know, when I first began to preach, it was 1975. I began to study every aspect of what I have been raised to believe. I wanted to study the items of worship. I wanted to study the plan of salvation. I wanted to study the uh, historical background New Testament as well as history of the church. and I, I just devoted myself to it. I was only 17 years old when I moved away to start preaching. And as I began to read, and I, I was studying the communion, and I got this verse, and I saw that phrase, drink ye all of it. I said, you know what? Honestly would demand me to say, this could mean drink ye all of it. Like, don't leave a drop in it. That kind of drinky all of it. But then again, it could mean drinky all of it. And that was very important to me to understand because I was, I was as genuine as I possibly could be. I prayed to the Lord that he would make sure that I understood these truths. And I ask of him repeatedly to please help me to understand. And then I will be able to go out and understand the scriptures and preach it nationwide. And I've had the good fortune to do that for 43 years. It is such a great joy. Well, now, understanding, here we find the command, drink ye all of it. Now let's go to Mark. Mark, the 14th chapter, please. The reason I ask you to turn with me is I want you to read it out of your Bible. As I read it aloud, I want you to read it and look at it, and you'll see that the, what I'm reading is exactly what yours teaches. It may word it differently, but they teach the same truth. You know, you can read the King James, the New King James, the New American Standard Version, and other, there's the English Standard Version, the ESV, and there's a, several good and reliable translations in whichever one you're choosing, it's your choice. But notice what it says in the communion. All right, 
now we're at Mark, the gospel of Mark 14 and verse 23, please. The word of God said, and please listen, he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. Now I want to pause here. Now please write this down. I, I was going to write it down, but I managed to fill my board up, so I didn't get it written down. I don't think, and I didn't. Okay, but what we find is this teaching here, I did find it. Drink ye all of it, Matthew 26 and 27. This is the command, drink ye all of it. Therefore, we say, well, now how did we do that? Mark explains they all drank of it. This Greek word for of is ek, meaning out of or from. And if you're using a modern version, it would very likely say, and they all drank from it. Every translation would not say that, but several will. They all drank from it. And when we observe the communion today, We're told to drink ye all of it. So now we know what Jesus meant. He didn't mean, mean everybody drink every drop out of their cup. He didn't mean that. That's not what he did. He said drink ye all of it. That's the command. Command obeyed. Mark 14, 23. They all drank from it. They all drank of it. They all drank out of it. Dear friends, let the Bible interpret the Bible. And the way to do that, you find the command, and you see the command obeyed, and it's very, very important. Now, this is something that we are genuinely convicted on. Now, I know nearly anybody and member of the Church of Christ could, can worship with us on the Lord's Day. They can participate that, out of that one cup, and it doesn't hurt their conscience. And that's wonderful. And I appreciate that. However, this is how the Lord instituted it. And this is what he said this do. He laid it down pretty clear. And then he said, now I want you to do this. Or I want you to do what I've done. This do. And then I'll go ahead and introduce, since I'm here, Luke 22 and 20. Luke 22 and 20 Jesus said, take this, take what? This cup containing fruit of the vine. You always know when cup is mentioned, it includes fruit of the vine. When fruit of the vine is mentioned, it includes the container that contains the fruit of the vine. So, and when he said, take this cup containing fruit of the vine and divide it, the cup containing fruit of the vine, among yourselves. Well, how do they divide it? How did they divide the cup? You know how they divided it? Just like Mark said, they all drank of it, out of it, from it. That's how they divided it. They divided it by drinking. I remember one night, I was home. I had already come home from a Bible study and, and a preacher friend of mine called and he said, what, what are you doing this particular night? And I said, well, you know, several nights ahead, what you got going? He said, I've got a Bible study, and they sprang one on me that I just really couldn't answer. 
and I would like for you to go with me next week and let's talk with them. I said, I'd be glad to. No problem. So we scheduled me to go with them. And the point they made was from the New American Standard Version, which truthfully, I believe is one of the most accurate translations there is. I love the New American Standard Version. So therefore, I don't have a problem with that. But the way they mention it here, now I want everybody to pay attention to this because it's legit. The gentleman brought a point out that I had never known before. And it said, this cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. That's according to the New American Standard Version. Now, just because he's wording it in a somewhat in an obscure way, should, does not mean I should say, I'm just not paying attention to that. No, no, no. I want to pay attention to that. I want to learn what Luke wrote and what he meant in Luke 22. And for me, it's not a problem. The gentleman, we, very nice gentleman, we sat in his house and he explained that New American Standard Version and he read this passage that he said, this Bible said, this cup which is poured out for you is the covenant in my blood. He said, therefore, the cup which is poured out has to be fruit of the vine or blood. And I waited for my partner to go ahead and respond. And, and when I looked over there, he was looking straight at me. <laughs> I said, well, okay, we'll take care of this. And I said, sir, I'm going to explain something to you. This cup was not an empty cup. It had fruit of the vine in it. It's a cup containing fruit of the vine. This will help everybody to better understand it. So this cup containing fruit of the vine, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. So therefore, this cup, which is poured out for you, that's your fruit of the vine. It's the new covenant in my blood. Jesus did something here that really raises attention. He mentioned this cup, which is poured out, is the New Testament in my blood. Wow, that's kind of a new phrase. And some people want to just focus in only on the fruit of the vine that signifies or represents the blood. That needs to be understood just like you, you believe it. The fruit of the vine represents the blood. But let me tell you one thing. It was Jesus who said, this pterion, this drinking vessel, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. And therefore, what Luke said in Luke 22, even in the New American Standard Version, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now we're going to talk about this phrase about the cup being the New Testament a little later during the lesson. But I wanted you to see that because the New American Standard Version is the great version. He worded this kind of different than what we're used to in the King James or the New King James. But that's fine. It's fine that it's worded differently, but it helps to pour out the, to illustrate the point that the cup which is poured out, it's just like, you know, baby spills the bottle and on and on you can go into talking about those kind of things. But it's a cup containing fruit of the vine. He said, which is poured out for you, it's a new covenant in my blood. This is so very important. Now, let's go to Luke, the 22nd chapter. I want to illustrate a couple of more points, and then we'll go to the book of Acts. 
We've studied Matthew. I don't mean to be repetitious. I do mean to reinforce. Matthew records the command. Drink ye all of it. Luke recorded the command. Mark told us how to obey the command. They all drank from it. They all drank of it. Pretty important. All right. If you're back with me at Luke 22, I just want to point out a couple of things here that are very much noteworthy that we need to understand. Luke, the 22nd chapter. Let's look at verse 19 and 20. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it, gave unto them, that was the disciples, saying, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Another place where it says what my title is of the lesson, this do in remembrance of me. Another fact that we learned from reading in this passage regarding the bread, this word, Greek word for bread is still a loaf, the third point that we draw from this passage is all the singular terms. I don't understand. And with all love and respect, I don't understand why people feel the need of trying to make these singular terms plural. But I'll tell you what, if the Lord meant for them to be plural, he would have made them plural. But he didn't because he didn't want it. All right. And 20, likewise, or in the same manner as, he also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Wow. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Now let me ask you, everybody here, I don't want anybody to speak up, but I want, I want to ask you a question, and then I'm going to pause for just a few seconds, and give you time to think about it. Jesus said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. My question is, do you believe there is anything in the communion that represents the New Testament? Have you ever been taught that the cup is the New Testament? Have you ever been taught that? I've studied with many, many people. They said, man, I've never heard that in my life. Well, see, here's the situation. Being that this is a unit, a unit that has two segments, container and fruit of the vine, they go together. By themselves, it means nothing together and thanks is offered. He took the cup containing the fruit of the vine. He gave thanks. He then gave it to the disciples and said, now, drink ye all of it. And guess what they did? They all drank of it. This is important because this is the Lord's supper. It's not my supper, and I don't have any right to change it. No right whatsoever. And to be very frank with you, you don't either. You have no right to change what the Lord instituted. He said this do, do what I've done. And this is it. This is an example of how Jesus instituted his supper. Now, we're going to go to another part of our lesson, very important part. And I want you to take special notice 
We are talking about Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Look at Matthew. The tw- I mean, you don't have to go there. We've already gone there, and I'm going to show you. In Matthew 26 and 27, and also Mark wrote the same thing, Mark 14, 24. They both said, this is my blood of the New Testament. Now that phrase that was somewhat obscure in some people's minds, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. That's recorded in Luke twenty-two twenty, and 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. Now, friends, listen, I'm not making any of this up. I'm giving you the statements that the Lord made. I'm giving you the book, chapter, and verse where the Lord implemented it and what he said about it. This is huge. This should make us really understand, I need to do what Jesus did. I need to do this just like Jesus did because that's what he asked us to do. We have no trouble understanding the instrumental music issue. There's nine passages. There's only seven for the communion, but there's nine passages that mention singing in the New Testament. Not one of them mentions instruments of music. We all, I believe everybody here tonight understands that. Well, the same reason that we all agree that instrumental music in the assembly is wrong It's the same reason that altering the communion service is wrong. There's no command. There's no statement. There's no examples. There's no necessary inference. It's just there's not a single verse that indicates that we should use more than one cup containing fruit of the vine. Okay, look here with me. In these two statements, I've got another question to ask you, and I'm going to pause for a minute. I want you to genuinely think about this. This is huge. This will help to really understand our position with the communion. And we understand what we believe the Bible is teaching. And here's what I want you to look at. This is my blood of the New Testament. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. But chapter and verse, there's you four different ones. Now, my question to you, are these two statements the same statement but just worded differently? Or do these two statements have a different reference that they're making, a different point that they're making? Very important. Just think about it. Are these two statements saying the same thing in a different way or are they saying two separate things? Today, the way it's illustrated in the scriptures, I've just illustrated on the board by quoting it and I put quotation marks around it. These two statements are different. Very important. And this may be something new to you. And if it is, just take it home and study it. Feel free, you can call me. You can talk to Brother Noah, Brother Hayden, the leadership of the church. But I just want to tell you, this is huge. This will help to really solidify, man, I better back away from what I've been doing and better start doing what Jesus did. Now look here with me in the first one. This is my blood of the New Testament. Blood and testament. 
when Matthew mentioned the communion, Mark mentioned the Lord's Supper, they both used blood and testament. Just the very same thing that we're illustrating right here. Blood, testament. This cup, the cup that contains the fruit of the vine in the communion service, regardless what size, large or small, it represents the New Testament. Not by itself, but being ratified by the blood. It stays together. The same thing here. Look here now. Now I don't want to drop this. It's not going to break, but I still don't want to do it. I'll be laughed at from now on. All right. In Luke 22, 20, 1 Corinthians 11, 25, it's in your Bible too. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Once again, you've got blood and testament. That's huge. But what is a testament? The cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do you think when you have been taught cup of blood, do you think he's saying this blood is the New Testament in my blood? Well, no, you know it doesn't. Think, that doesn't even make sense. No, but what does make sense is this container is the New Testament. It signifies the Testament, the covenant in my blood. When Jesus died right here on the cross, he shed his blood. And what did he do? He took away the old law. He brought in the new law. The Old Testament, the Bible says, was nailed to the cross. It was taken out of the way. Sure, we study it to learn history and learn things from the past. That's true. But the Old Testament went away. The New Testament came in. And Jesus said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put the cup in the communion that contains the fruit of the vine. And that can all represent the New Testament. It is a cup containing fruit of the vine that represents the blood that ratified the new covenant. This is something that we all need to study because this is really a very clutch point to illustrate we only have one testament. And guess what? We should only have one cup. Oh, I've been asked. Oh, I've been asked many times, especially in debates. I was in debate in Stockton and Athens, Alabama and somewhere else along the way. A number of years ago, now I'm trying to think where else was it. But anyway, all three of them asked the same thing. Well, if that be the case, Brother Bailey, then everybody should be able to have a cup for their Bible. Because the, their cup, if it represents the Testament, as many cups as you have, as many Testaments you have, you can have that many cups. Really? Is that what the Lord is saying here? That's not what the Lord is saying there. What you have in your hand, what are in these pew Bibles around here, all those are, are the copy of the covenant. Just like if you make a will and you have this will all made up and if you pass away, that will will be executed upon your death. But as, if you live another, say, five years and you make adaptations to that will, then that will would be the final one. There's only one will. Jesus made one will 
Sure, we got many copies of it. But copies of it is not what he's talking about. He's just saying the will. It's the will of Jesus Christ. So please don't get influenced by arguments that are not sound. They may sound good at first, but think about it and try to take a good look at Scripture and illustrate it. But just remember this, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and 1 Corinthians, when blood is mentioned, testament is mentioned. You know why? Because the cup is the testament. Listen, Jesus said that. And we all love Jesus. He said, this is done in my blood or ratified by my blood. That is easy to understand. And you've got book, chapter, and verse to illustrate it. Acts 2 and verse 42, as we will rapidly uh, continue through here. Acts 2.42, the day the church was established, the Bible said they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. There's another example of it called breaking bread. Four out of the five items of worship mentioned in one verse. That's the most we have found. I've never found a verse that mentioned every point of salvation. I've never found a verse that mentioned all five items of worship, but this is named four of them. Dear friend, I want you to understand something. If you're thinking, okay, where's the singing in that? Well, Hebrew 2, I don't have that on the board, so write it down for those that are taking notes. Hebrew chapter 2, verse 12. Hebrew 2, verse 12 said, In the midst of the church, Will I sing praises unto him? There it is. It's in the Bible. My dear friend, in Acts 2.42, it illustrates with one word, continue. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's your teaching. Very important. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17, we illustrated that already, and we want to talk about it very briefly. Here he's talking about the cup of blessing. That's what that cup containing fruit of the vine is. That's what Jesus said, I want you to do this. Paul the apostle wrote to the church of Corinth, directing them how to commune. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20 through 34. I'm not going to read over all those verses. But what we do find in 1 Corinthians 11 is the same thing we found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts. All of these teach the same thing. Some will emphasize one thing, while some other will emphasize another. But when it's all said and done, it's going to come down to these two main points. This is my blood of the Testament, and this cup of the New Testament in my blood. My dear friend, when Jesus died at Calvary and he shed his blood, his body was slain. We have one loaf because Jesus only had one body. If you had many loaves, listen, those wafers are not going to work. I'm going to tell you, the little wafers are not going to work. Do you even break them? You know, to, to get it, the Bible says he took bread and he break it. No, wafers won't work. It's one loaf, like a, a bread, one loaf. And then blood was shed. Jesus shed his blood, blood and water, the Bible said, came forth, but he shed his blood and the New Testament was ratified. Oh, this is so wonderful. The New Testament that you hold near and dear to your heart. 
You know, I'm using a Bible that has my grandfather's name on it, E.H. Miller. I just, I get, I've got one Bible that I use sometimes, preach has my dad's. And this one has my grandfather. Well, my grandfather, I'll tell you the story. This is a true story, and I can show it to you. My grandfather wrote John G. Thomas, um, Thomas Communion Service. He was the one who invented the individual communion cups. John G. Thomas. And my granddad wrote, said, would y'all please just tell me where this all came from? And they wrote back, said, we're proud to tell you that our grandfather, John G. Thomas, was both a, a think of the doctor and a, or a physician and a minister. He's the one who invented this. And the first one is in Lima, Ohio. So when I went to hold a gospel meeting in Cincinnati, Ohio, I looked at the map and it was a couple hours away. Well, one morning I got up early and I headed to Lima, Ohio. I wanted to see in the museum that. And I took pictures of it. I don't have them with me, but I'll be, I've got two different meetings booked in Cincinnati and Lord willing, I'll go see it again. But I want you to understand that was very, that's when it started. And then there's a gentleman, and I can show you the book, I can show you the quotation, a, a man by the name of G.C. Brewer. He was pretty um, powerful in his preaching from everything I can read about him. But he wrote a book, 40 Years on the Firing Line, and in the introduction of that book, he said, I am the first preacher to introduce this to the Church of Christ. The congregation was in Tennessee. And all that, I can, it's easy to prove. Dear friend, I'll tell you what. We've got to make a decision. Are we going to do what Jesus did? Or are we going to follow man? I'm reminded of the passage in Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord. Do not lean to your own understanding. Also, if you're taking notes, write down Proverbs 16 and 25. There's a way that seems right in a man, but the end is the way of death. Dear friends, listen, we're going to answer to the good Lord for how we live and how we worship and what we believe, and we need to do it right. If we don't do it right, we don't do it at all. This do in remembrance of me.